0: Good evening, everyone. Um, so we we're going to continue our Bible studies on the Book of Revelation today. Um, and before then, um, shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you um, for this wonderful opportunity and privilege to be gathered here in your presence. Father, even as we seek to know the truth from your Word, we pray that you open our understanding. We ask O oh God that He give us a clear understanding of this book of Revelations. We pray, Lord, you open our heart to receive your word. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see what you are teaching us from the scriptures today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so I, I think last week um Pastor um, Steve was about to make a comment. Oh was was going to make a contribution. But it was time, so um, we agreed that this week, when we come, when, before we start, he was going to um, um, give us a contribution before we uh, continue. So, Pastor Steve, if um, you want to know the contribution that he had for us last week.
1: All right. So, let me go to the book of Revelation quickly. <clears throat> Well, um, what, what, what my observation was in um, the Church of Ephesus, and then um, the Church of Pegamos, you know, um, the Church of Ephesus, they stood against the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So, in the eyes of men, that's very noble. Now when you look at the church of um, Hegamos, they didn't stand against the doctrine of Nicolaitans. They rather held the doctrine of Nicolaitans. And both of them were repeated by a lot. So I was trying to say that we shouldn't be too self-righteous in our own eyes because if you and I are looking at these churches at face value, we'll see that, oh, the church of Ephesus is a very good church. And look at the church of Pegamos. That's not a good church. But in the eyes of the Lord, both of them were not good. So, uh, we, we, sh- we should be very sober minded on this work uh, and not, not, not think too much that what we are doing, is what warrants as um, brownie points with God. So so I think that that's what I, I got through, that we, we should be very sober-minded because if we tend to rely on what we are doing in this Christian walk of faith, we can miss it one way or another. The Church of Ephesus' words was just as rebuked and they were just as guilty as the compromising church. So we, we can also compare... So when, when we must also be very careful if God puts us in any church ministry, don't try and compare because maybe the goal post that God may have for each church might totally be
0: different. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Mr. C that's a very um powerful contribution. Um yeah, it's it's really um a very good observation that you are bringing up. Uh, God bless you for sharing that. Uh, Shaquana, good to see you today. Um, um, any uh, As we do every week, anyone else who want to share what they learned last week? Or what they remember from last week's teachings that we had on the book of Revelations? Anyone wants to share with us? anyone else who still remembers or at least one point that you you took out of last week's teachings that you want to share with us or even an understanding that god gave you as you were meditating on the scripture you were reading further and you want to share that with us anyone all right so so then i'm gonna go over what we did last week um Pastor Jess, you want to say something? You're muting yourself. Yeah, sorry,
1: I'm on the screen, but that's the thing. Um, but what I remember was that God sees our works, and our works are very important as you well know, as our motive and our inner
0: All right. Thank you very much. So, Pastor Jess, um, it's reminding us that um, last week we saw that. Um, Jesus Christ was very was paying a lot of attention to the works of the church. And so he told every church, I know your works, I know your works, I know your works. And so as children of God, we should uh, remember that the works we do here on earth really count and they matter to God. And so when you look at the letters to all the churches, one thing that Christ kept telling the church was, I know your works, I know your works. I know your works so last week we, we saw four of the seven churches we saw the church of ephesus and we said that um, the church of ephesus was a church that had left its first love and so another way to to uh, remember what the lord told them was that the church of ephesus was the loveless church or the church without love and he was telling them to go back to their first love and again we saw the church of um smena which was the persecuted church um, we said that, even though the church was was poor, Christ said they were rich. Um, he said that um even though they were going through persecution at that time, he did not promise them that he was going to deliver them out of the persecution um, He wasn't pray- he wasn't telling them or promising them that he would not allow the persecution to come upon them, but what he told them was to encourage them. stand faithful to the end and we learned that as believers we have to understand that sometimes when we go through persecution god will not bring us deliverance per se but god will um strengthen us to be able to go through the persecution to be able to go through those difficult times and so let's not have the mindset that God is going to deliver me every time. Sometimes the answers to your prayer is that God is going to encourage you to be able to go through the persecution or whatever challenge that you are facing. And then again, we saw the Church of Phagamos, which um it is a com- which is a compromising church. We saw that Satan's throne was in this church, and um, last week we said that um the temple of Zeus was in this city which is called Pergamos, it had several shrines as well. And they, they practiced the worship of the emperor. And so we, we said for the Bible to say that um, um Satan's throne was in this particular city, it meant that these people openly acknowledged and glorified the power of Satan. And they openly um, indulged themselves in sinful practices or practices that are against the commandments of God and they were not really um um paying attention or honoring god with their lives or even the things that god had given them um and we said that um even though this the church was in this city the bible said that um, christ commended some of them that they had not allowed um the corruption in the city to affect them and so even when we as believers in this generation find ourselves in a place, in a situation where uh, we live in a place where there is so much sin around us, we must not allow our Christian life to be affected by the things that go on around us. And the Bible says that we are the light of the world. So even if darkness surrounds us, our light must continue to shine. The Bible says if salt loses its saltiness, it is good for nothing. And so as children of God, we, have to, um, we, we don't have to allow the things that go on in our, our environment to uh, our community to affect us, but we must co- affect our communities um, positively for Christ. We saw again that the doctrine of Balaam um, was in this particular city, and uh, we saw um, Balaam was the prophet who um, lured the people of Israel or gave um, the, an idea to the enemies of Israel um, which resulted in Israel being lured into um, um, sexual immorality and idolatry. And therefore, they lost the presence of God. And because they lost the presence of God, the um, Bible tells us that 23,000 of them died in a day because of that sexual immorality that they committed. And, and so uh, uh, we also see that the doctrine of Balaam was in this particular city and it was being promoted and it was leading to um, believers or some of the Christian there, Christians in this city um, indulging in idolatry and sexual immorality. And the last church that we discussed was Titeria. And we said that this is a corrupt church where it also talks about um, an entity or a person who was called Jezebel in this particular city. And this name, we can trace this name way back to the book of First Kings and Second Kings of the queen who was called Jezebel, who... Also led the people of Israel into idolatry and sex- sexual immorality, and so you see that one of the things that the church in, um, the churches were facing was um the issue the issue of idolatry and sexual immorality, and so, um, as the time goes as the time comes to an end as, uh, we, we see the end approaching we have to f- pay attention. To these issues that have been pointed out in the church, and like we pre- we discussed previously, that the letters to the churches are written to us so that we can learn. These were churches that were th- that actually existed at the time the letters were being re- the letter was being written, and so these are physical churches. It can also represent the state of any church. It can represent the state of any Christian, and so as we learn about these churches, as we learn. um and we study the letters written to the church, we, we must apply that to our Christian life, uh, examine our Christian life in the light of the scriptures to ensure that we are still in the will of God, to ensure that we are still doing what God expects us to do because it's, uh, it will be easy for us to identify the will of Christ for the church when we read um, the letters that were sent to all the churches. And so um, as a way of recap, that's what we did um, last week. And uh, this week, we are going to look at the next three churches um, out of the seven. Um, and if we have time, we can also start with um, chapter four. If not, uh, we will do chapter four and chapter five next week. God willing. Okay, so we are going to start with chapter three today. Um, and chapter three, we see the church here is, is Sardis, which is the dead church. So the Bible says, and to the angel of the church of Revelation chapter three, verse one. And to the angel of the church in Sadis, write These things say he who has the seven spirits, who has the seven spirits of God. Um, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I, will, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore, you, how you have received, I'm sorry, remember therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you do not watch, I will come as a, as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let me hear what the Spirit um, says to the churches. And we, say, we saw again that, one of the things that Christ kept telling the church is, He who has a spirit, He who he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, when you look at the introduction of this letter, again you see you see the seven spirits of God being mentioned here. And in chapter one, we said that the seven spirits of God refers to the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, This thing say he who has the seven spirit of God And even the seven stars, and we said again that when you look at all the letters to the churches, the first portion, or the first sentence, first paragraph of the letter, usually picks some of the one of a few of the description of Jesus Christ in the first chapter, and brings out that description, and then writes um, whatever the church is doing that Christ is happy uh, is happy with, and then he it again, touches on the things that the church does that Christ is not happy with before it goes to caution them to repent. And then it tells them what the reward for repentance or what um, the penalty is for not repenting. And so here, you, the Bible says, these this things say he who has the seventh spirit of God. We have said that the seventh spirit of God represents the Holy Spirit. And here it is talking about Jesus Christ. He says again here in this chapter that I know your works. That you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Very interesting. This church had a name. It had a reputation. The people around saw that this church is a very vibrant church. But Christ is saying, in my eyes, you are dead. And so... It's outwardly, people think that this church is doing very well. People think that this is a a healthy church. And that is why we can get things wrong when we measure one church against the other, or when we measure one Christian against the other. God is the only one who knows the heart of men. Like Pastor Steve said in the beginning, if you measure one church against the other, in looking outwardly, you think that this church is doing very well, and this church is not doing very well. But the Bible says that this particular church, Sardis, had a reputation. So in the eyes of the community and the people, they saw this church as a very vibrant church, as um, a church that has the presence and the spirit of God. But Christ says, in my eyes, you are dead. And this we can also apply it to our Christian life. You see that in the eyes of men, people can think that you are a very good Christian, you're a very spiritual person you um if if the trumpets should sound today you'll be the first to be raptured people can have all those nice things about you but is that the perception that god has about you so when we examine our own christian life in the light of the scriptures is the perception that people have um concerning us is this perception the same thing god has concerning us If God should come today, what people are saying, the testimony that people are giving concerning our life, would that be the same testimony that God is going to give concerning our life? This church had a reputation that they are alive. But Christ said, they are dead. He says, therefore, be be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect. And so your works might be perfect in the eyes of men. Men might give you a pass that, oh, you, you have already made it to heaven. But it might not be the same in the eyes of God. He says that I have not found your works perfect. Christ was not happy with the works of this particular church. And he's warning them that even what they have, what remains right now, what remains right now, they should strengthen it that it does not die. Um, um, Right, so that which is highly esteemed among men is abominable in the sight of God. Yes, so the things that men will see and they will praise, oh, this person, oh, this brother, oh, this church, it might not be the same thing that God feels concerning the church. It might not be the same thing God feels concerning the brother. And so we have to be mindful how we judge things before their time. We have to be mindful how we conclude and throw people out of the window and write people off and praise other people because whatever we are praising, would that be the same standard that God is holding the people accountable to? We don't know. And that's what the Bible keeps telling us, that we should not judge things before their time. And as Christians, I believe that this is very important, that we take note, that We see things from the perspective of God. We don't know the hearts of men. We don't know the assignment God has given to several different churches. And so let's not measure success in our own way. Concerning spiritual things, let's leave God to be the final judge of all these things. And so this church had a good reputation. I mean, when you read about this, you you sometimes you're like, oh, we really have to measure ourselves and humble ourselves, like Pastor Steve said from the beginning humble ourselves and be cautious of our own Christian lives and not reach conclusions on our lives or even on the lives of other people. And he says, therefore, if you will not watch, I will come as a thief and you will not know the hour that I will come. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garment, and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. See, this. sometimes when you read some of these things, it's always encouraging that no matter how evil things turn out to be, God always have people who will preserve themselves or who God has preserved for himself. And God told um, 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 Elijah the same thing, that I have 400 men who have not bowed down to Baal. And so in every generation you can be like you said in the book of Romans, in every generation you can be sure that God has people who he has preserved for himself. They are people who will not defile themselves. And so sometimes you hear things like, Oh, every now sin has a ab- sin has a bound. Everybody is is a, I mean, everybody you see in church today is a sinner. There's nobody who is really a true Christian. There's nobody who is really doing what God desires. There's nobody who is um, really following after God, everybody's corrupt. No, when you make such um, 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 statements, then you don't really believe what the Bible says because God has said that in every generation, he's going to preserve for himself people who will not defile themselves. And so we saw that even in this city, which had a reputation that they were alive and they were actually dead, the Christians or the church was dead. He said, even in this city, there were people who have not, um, defile themselves he says who overcomes shall be clothed in white garment and i will not blot out his name from the book of life now this is very very important again for me this draws me back to the people who say who say that once you are saved you are saved forever he says he who overcomes I will not, I'm sorry, he who overcomes shall be clothed in a white garment and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Now, when you read Revelations chapter 20, verse 15, it says that, um, Revelations chapter 20, verse 15, it says, and anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. And now Christ, writing to the church, he says anyone who overcomes that person's name will not be blotted out of the book of life. For me, what this means to me is that there is a possibility that people's names could be blotted out of the book of life. For this to be a reward for overcoming, it means that if you don't overcome, if you are in this dead state, and you don't overcome your name could be blotted out of the book of life. And so this again clearly does not support the fact that when a person is saved once, they are saved forever. Other than that the letters to the churches wouldn't have been necessary because Christ was writing to the churches. He was warning some of them that you are going to lose your reward if you don't repent. He was warning some of them that your name is going to be blotted out of the book of life. Or If you don't overcome, you will not have the tree of life. He was telling all these things to the church. The church are people who have accepted him. And he's writing to the church and he says that if anyone does not overcome, anyone who overcomes here, his name will not be blotted. And then the question I will ask is, so if you don't overcome, it means that there is a possibility that your name could be blotted out in the book of life. And he says that in Revelation chapter 20 verse 15, Anyone whose name is not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I believe that the letters to the churches has enough evidence to show that the the doctrine of one saved, forever saved, is not right. Amen. And so to the dead church, Christ expects them to overcome. Again, when you look at Revelation closely, you see the heart of God. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants to call everyone into repentance. And so, the the dead church is being remi- reminded to um, repent and overcome, or else they were going to their names were going to be blotted out of the book of life. People have given some people have given um, technical and very difficult translations to this particular text that he was only emphasizing the fact that their names were... But clearly here, it's saying that if you don't overcome, anyone who, who overcomes, I will not blot out his name. Therefore, anyone who doesn't overcome, what happens to that person? It's just as simple as the Bible is saying it. So, the next church we want to see is the faithful church. Amen. The faithful church is the ideal church. It's the church that Christ loves. Is a type of Christian if you bring apply to yourself as a Christian, it is a type of Christian who pleases God, amen. And therefore, um, we should all desire and aspire to be like this church because we saw that Christ was happy with this particular church, and so He says to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. This thing say he who is holy, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut. We will come again to this open door when we get into chapter 4. Christ says he has set an open door before the faithful church and nobody can shut. Christ points to the fact that he is the one who has um the keys of David. He's the one who opens and no one shuts. He's the one who shuts and no one opens. If Christ endorses you, no one can... um Whatever other people say does not really matter. He's, he's the one whose words have... The ultimate importance in anybody's life. He's the one whose judgment, whose conclusion about our life is the most important than what other people say. He's the one who shuts, welcomes somebody into the, th- the kingdom and nobody can take them out. He's the one who keeps somebody out of the kingdom and nobody can bring them in. He's the final authority. He says, and the Bible tells us that God has given judgment over to Christ. Christ is the one who finally decides who is going through who is going to inherit um, the kingdom of God. So he says again, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, this is just simple. The simple thing that Christ told them is that even though you have a little strength, you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. Keeping the word of God, you see that if you look at the churches closely, the emphasis was on keeping the word of God, being faithful till the end. And that is what we, that is the simple task that we have as Christians, to keep the word of God, to be obedient, to be faithful till the end. That is the expectation that Christ has. So you see that it wasn't so many, there were other churches that Christ spoke about so many wonderful things that that they were doing. They had good doctrines. They could tell who false prophets and false apostles and good apostles were. They rejected false doctrine and they examined people's teachings and everything. They were doing all those wonderful, nice things. But this church, which is the faithful church, one simple thing is that they kept the word of God. And that is what Christ was, is expecting us to do. When you look at the persecuted church, this was the same thing he was telling them, that remain faithful to the end. Overcoming is very closely tied to your faithfulness. It is very closely tied to you remaining faithful till the end. That is what Christ expects of all of us, that we remain faithful when people are watching and when nobody is watching, when we are alone or when we are in the midst of a multitude. We have to remain faithful. Whether we are in church on Sunday or we are at work on Monday or we are at home on Tuesday, we remain faithful to our calling as Christians. We walk worthy of our calling. And that is what Christ commends this faithful church of, that they have held, held onto the word of God. They have kept the word of God and they have not denied the name of Christ. He says, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie, indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my com- because you have kept my command to persevere. I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on earth. Amen. Verse 10 says a very, very important thing. He says, because you have kept my word and persevered, I will keep you from the hour of trial. Now, there are a lot of people who say that Christians will go through their tribulations. And um, when they read revelations, because they have that anchor bias, they have, they have that mindset. And because of that bias, their interpretation of revelation is, always align with that by us that oh christians have to go through the revelation um, tribulation and so the interpretation of revelation is not accurate but christ told the faithful church here that i'm going to keep you away from the hour of trial that will come upon all the whole world to test those who dwell on it he said he will keep them away you see some people also say that Christ was just saying that he was going to hide the church somehow so that they will not experience the tribulation. He says, I'll keep you away from it. He, I, I wish I can read another version to see how. Um, uh, the NIV says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will keep you from the hour of trial. Now, the New, Liv- the New Living Translation also says that Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the ti- the time of great, um, the time ty- um, and the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world, to test those who belong to the world. And so, obviously, this is not aimed at Christians. Christians will not go through the tri- tribulation. It is clear in the scriptures. Now. A lot of the, For those people who think or those people who say that Christians will go through the tribulation, we have to first of all look at God, his nature from Genesis to Revelation. Why is it, is it that only in Revelation, people want to change the nature of God? Because right from Genesis, God has been consistent in delivering the righteous from the time of trial. When God was going to rain down fire in Sodom, He delivered the righteous. When God was going to send flood, He delivered Noah and his family. Let's read Genesis chapter eighteen. Genesis chapter eighteen, verse um, verse twenty-three and twenty-five um, to twenty-five. Abraham says that um. Now, verse 20, Abraham came near and said, this is Abraham negotiating with the angels who were going to destroy Sodom. He says, and Abraham came near and said, will God also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous men in the city. Will you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that uh, that were in it? Verse 25, he says, far be it from you to do such a thing. As this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall the judge of the whole earth, shall not the judge of the whole earth do right? So Abraham said, far be it from God, that he will destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. Or will even make the righteous equal to the unrighteous. He said, far be it from the judge of the whole world not to do rightly in this particular instance. Verse 9, chapter 19, when you reach 17, when the angels were about to destroy um, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, Genesis chapter 19, verse 17, the Bible says, so it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain, escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lord said to them, Please know, my Lord, indeed now, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil overtakes me and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to, flee to and it is a little one. Please let me, Let me escape there. Is it not a a little one? And my soul shall be saved. And the angel says, And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. This, for me, paints a picture of the rapture. And the Bible tells us that, um, there is something that is pre- preventing the um, the tribulation from happening in the Thessalonians. He says, "He who let it will let until he's taken away." And the angel here is saying that unless Lord leaves the city of Sodom, he cannot do anything. And so, as long as the Church of God is here, the tribulations cannot um, begin the church of God will have to be taken out of the tribulation. Um, some people see it as funny and they say, oh, why does the church want, the, ch- the, the people who believe that the church will not go through the tribulation, um, some people call them, oh, they are trying to escape. These are the Christians who want to escape. If the Bible is saying that Christ is going to take the church out of the time of trial, he's going to take the church out of the tribulation. I don't see anything funny about that. And so for the, for the people who believe that they will go through the tribulation, for the Christians who believe that they will go through the tribulation, well, at the end we'll find out. But I believe that there is enough evidence in the Bible that points to the fact that Christians will be raptured before the tribulation starts. Christ has promised the faithful church. And this promise is also to the faithful Christian that he will keep you out of the time of trial that will come upon the whole world. When you look at Luke chapter 21, verse 35, the Bible, Christ says that, pray that you are counted worthy to escape these things. What he was talking about at that time were the things that were going to happen in the tribulation. He says, pray that you are counted worthy to escape these things. And so the church of Christ the faithful church, the faithful Christian, will be kept away from the time of tribulation. They'll be raptured before the tribulation. In Ephesians, finally, in Ephesians chapter two, verse one, the Bible says, "And you has He made alive, who were dead in trespass and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course, according to the course of this world, according to the the prince of the power of the air." The Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom you, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as the others. So this points to the fact that um, Christ has already taken us out of. We are not children of wrath. We are not the people who the wrath of God is directed towards. We have been delivered from that kingdom, from that um, identity. He says we were once like them. We were once like the, the, um, the sons of disobedience. We did the same things they did and we were by nature the children of wrath. But now we are not. Verse 4 says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, our trespass has made us alive and has seated us together with Christ in heavenly places. And so we don't belong to the people whose God's wrath will be directed towards. So I don't know why people are able to get to the point where they believe that I'm I mean, this is a very popular opinion that some people think that Christians will go through their tribulations. But it is clear in the Bible that Christians are not going to go through their tribulations. Christ has promised the faithful church that he's going to deliver the church from the time of trial. And so for us, as the children of God, our, um, the, what we have to do is to remain faithful. Hold on to the word that at the time of the rapture, you will be counted among the faithful ones who will be kept away. Christ has said in Luke chapter 21 verse 35, that pray that you are counted worthy to escape this hour. And so that is what we have to do. As children of God, we we have to understand that we are going to be raptured before the tribulations. We are not going through the tribulations. Amen this is the tribulations usually what people read in the in the book of revelation and therefore they don't want to even read when they see how things are going to unfold the unbelievers and to and so they don't even want to read the the book of revelation for the fear of the tribulation but you see Christ is not trying to hide things from us and then finally he will just catch us when we are unprepared because when you, when you begin to see Revelation in a different light, you really understand the love that God has for us. That he's telling us that these things are going to happen to the people of the world. These things are going to happen to people who still have the sin nature. And he doesn't want us, he doesn't want these things to happen to any of us. So he has told us in advance, several years ago, over 2,000 years, when the book of Revelation was given, and these things has been written so that you see the end of Satan, so that you see the end of sinners, so that you see the end of the church. And what is telling us through revelations is that we will overcome and we will avoid the things that are going to happen to the people of this world. Now, first of all, the Bible tells us that sin entered into the world. God did not create sin. Sin entered into the world through Adam's disobedience. God wants to deal with sin permanently. God wants to get rid of sin permanently. And this is what is going to happen in Revelation. If God is going to get rid of sin, we understand that anyone who is born of man and a woman has the Adam nature, has the sin nature. And therefore, you have to be born again. And when you, bo- you are born again, you have the righteous. You become the righteousness of God. So anyone who still has the sin nature at the time when... Um, um is coming, or at a time when the world is coming to an end, that person will have to be destroyed as well. So the target here is not that God wants to destroy man. God is going to destroy sin. Anyone who has the DNA of sin will also have to be destroyed because God is going to get rid of sin totally from this world. And that's why the Bible says that God is going to give us a new heaven and a new earth and to get rid of sin totally. Anybody who has the same nature will have to be destroyed. But that is not the place he wants for man. And that is why he has told man in advance that this is going to be the end of sinner, of a sinner. This is going to be the end of the devil. And this is going to be the end of the church. We are going to be in the presence of God. Continual fellowship with God. And so when you read Revelations, don't think about God as, oh, this God is, is now going to destroy man. God is destroying sin and anything that has the sin nature in it. And so he's made a way of escape for all of us. That once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, the sin nature is dealt with. And so when God is about to deal with the presence of sin, you, ha- you are taken out of the sinful world and then the sinful world is going to be destroyed. So, God's target is not to destroy man. I hope we understand that. The Bible tells that hell is prepared for Satan and his, his angels who rejected God. And it says he, they have been reserved for punishment. And so, if God really wanted to just destroy man, there was no point in giving us the book of Revelation 20, um, over 2,000 years uh, um, in advance. So when we read the book of Revelation, we know the end of everyone who has the sin nature. And so he's telling us that I've given you a way, I've given you the option, I've given you Jesus Christ. When you accept him as your Lord and personal savior, the sin nature is permanently dealt with. And when we hold on to the word of God, we are counted faithful. And so let's rest assured as children of God. That the wrath of God is not directed against his children. God's nature does not change, um, does not change just in the book of Revelation, then God changes his nature. But when you see the nature of God from Genesis to Jude, it's the same nature of God in Revelation. He does not change. You see God giving man several opportunities, giving man grace that they will be saved. God telling us right from Genesis that his desire is to have fellowship with man. His desire is to have man in his presence. That nature does not instantly change when it gets to Revelation, but that nature is still constant. And so when you, when you are given an interpretation to the book of Revelation, you have to consider God's nature throughout the book, uh, throughout the Bible. Throughout Genesis, how God dealt with man, how God delivered his people, how God desires that no one should perish. All of a sudden, that nature is not going to change in Revelation. And then he becomes a God who desires to destroy man. No, when you interpret Revelation, you have to be consistent with the nature of God that you have known from Genesis to Jude. It's the same nature. He doesn't change. His desire is to have fellowship with man. His desire is that no one should perish. And this, that's why Revelation is excite, an exciting news that we have to share with everyone, that we have to tell people. Amen. I know that in the past, this has been communicated in a way that brings a lot of fear in people. And so people have, Christians have avoided the book of Revelation. They don't, want to, they don't care what the Revelation says. They don't want to understand. All they want to do is just live our lives and be free. Because Revelation has been taught, has been taught with a lot of fear and a lot of judgment and not with the heart of God, which is the heart that is yearning to have a relationship, which is the heart that is yearning to save and deliver man. He's so aimed to tell you that this is going to be the end of a sinner. It's not to scare you, but to tell, to warn you to avoid that path and and to, to warn you not to end up in that path and to avoid it and accept Jesus Christ. Amen. And so let's see the heart of God. Uh, When we read Revelation, let's see his nature. That His nature does not um, suddenly change when we get to Revelation. Um, Verse 11, he says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Now, this is also a very important thing. Um, He's pointing out to the church, to the faithful church, that hold on to what you have. Again, he's warning them about remaining faithful, that no one will take your crown. It means that it is possible for people to lose their reward in heaven. Christians are going to receive reward, but it's possible for them to lose it. And when you read from Second John, verse 8, Second um, John is just one chapter. So verse 8, he says, look to yourselves that we do not lose the things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. There are things that we've worked for, like I said, that in the kingdom of God, there are gifts and there are rewards. There are rewards that you've worked for. And he's, John was warning the um, believers here, they should look to themselves that they do not lose the things that we have worked for. And he included himself that we do not lose the things that we have worked for. But then when Christ appears, we will have a full reward. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So according to the things that you have done here on earth, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And everyone will be given according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Amen. Now, the last church that we are going to look at. That is the church. I'm sorry. Let me just finish with this one. Verse 12 says that he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar of the temp- in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from god and i'll write on him my new name he who has an ear to hear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches now to the last church and to the angel of the church of Laodicea, write these things say the amen and the faith the faithful and true witness the beginning of cre- of the creation of god i know your works you are neither cold nor hot i could wish that you were cold or hot so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot i will vomit you out of my mouth because you say i am rich you have become worthy and you have need of nothing and you do not know that you are wretched miserable poor blind and naked i counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and the white garment that you may be clothed that your shame that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with the eye um, salve that you may see. As many as I love, I have rebuked and chastened. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. This particular verse, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Oh, we have used this verse to preach to unbelievers. But this was even at this point, Christ was telling this to the church. But you know, anytime that we quote this myself, we have quoted this chapter, this verse to unbelievers. So, Christ is standing at your door and is knocking. If anyone, if you open him, but this was written to the church. He's telling the church that you are neither cold or hot. Again, this church also confirms that um, the letters to the churches were written to churches that existed at the time that this letter was being written. Because we heard of Leodicea, the church of Leodicea, in Colossians. So when you read Colossians chapter 4, Paul talks about this church. Colossians chapter 4 verse 16. Paul tells, um, he says that now when this epistle is read among you, See that it is also read, see that it is read also in the church of, of the Leodice, Le, I'm sorry, the church of the, the Laodiceans. And that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And so again, we have seen that Paul alluded to at least two of the churches, the church of Ephesus and the church of Laodicea. And we know that there was a letter that Paul wrote to this church, Unfortunately, we don't have that letter in the Bible. But Paul wrote a letter to the Colossian church and he said, give your letter to the Neodosians, let them read, and then take the letter that is from Neodosia as well and also read. And so, again, this confirms or um, supports the point that these churches that Christ was talking about are not imaginary churches, are not things that are going to just happen in the future. I'm not referring to just type of Christians that we have in the world, but these were actually churches that existed at the time that the letter was written. And so he's telling them that this is the letter, this was a warning that was going to the church of the um, the people in Eodasia. He was telling them, You guys are neither hot or you are not you are not cold. It's it tells you of a Christian who is like, oh, um, um, he's in the light today, he's in darkness tomorrow. He's not stable, he is not faithful he has not remained constant in his walk he says that you guys are neither cold or hot he doesn't even know where they stand he said he wished that you were cold or you were hot as a believer what does this mean to you you have to stay true to your call you have to stay faithful to your calling whether somebody's watching or not you don't need somebody's presence to be a good christian christ sees you and he keeps on telling the church that i know your works i know your works. And this church, the church of Eudasia, he tells them. And last week we saw that um in, 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 in um the persecuted church, in the persecuted church, Christ said, Oh, you guys were poor. I wish I can read that. I know that we are almost out of time. The church of Smyrna, he says that these things say the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, your tribulation, and your poverty, but you are rich. And last week, Pastor um, Pastor Steve was telling us that this church was seen as a very poor church, but Christ says you are rich. And this church was seen as a very rich church. They are saying that I have need of nothing. They have everything. But Christ is saying that even though in your eyes you think that you are rich, He says, But you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor. Blind and naked, I counsel you to buy from me. And so the worldly riches does not always represent a blessing from God. It does not always represent the presence of God or the hand of God on somebody's life. These people, they have need of nothing, but Christ says that you are wretched. You are poor, you are miserable. And so the church that in the eyes of men was, was, was seen as poor, Christ acknowledged that the church was in poverty, but he says that you are rich. And the church that they themselves acknowledge that they are rich. They need nothing. He says, you guys are miserable. You are poor. You should buy from me. Amen. So he tells the church that, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Verse 21, he says, to him who will come, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. as I overcame and sat with my father on his throne, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, the question Christ has pointed out, he himself has overcome. And that's why he was seated seated with the Father. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves and we need to think about is, how did Christ overcome? What did he do? How did he overcome? This is what we have to think about, ask ourselves. In relation to this particular church, Christ points out the fact that as I have overcome and now sat down with my father, you also have to overcome. Christ overcame by being obedient to the will of the father. He just obeyed what the father wanted him to do. His father was pleasing him because he did exactly what his father wanted him to do. He obeyed. He remained faithful to the end, even to death on the cross. He gave up his life for the ultimate purpose of God. He gave up his life so that God will be pleased with his life. God, the his main aim for coming was that he will um, die for the sins of men. That was the mission that his father had given him. And he sticked to that mission. He was faithful. And that is why, that is how he came. And so he tells his disciples in the book of John that in the world you have tribulations, but I have overcome them. When he resurrected, he reminded them, that all authority has been given to him. Because he was faithful to the end, he sticked to the will of the Father, and he observed it and did it to the end. I pray that as we read the book of Revelations, we will be blessed, we will remain faithful, and we'll stick to the will of the Father. We will do it to the end. We will hold on to the word of God, not only in pleasant times, but even in difficult times. We won't give up our confession as Christians when times... Um, become hard, when things become tough, we will not give up our confession, but we will remain faithful to our calling, remain faithful to the end, so that we will be seen as overcomers in the end. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you um, for the opportunity to meet here. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, Holy Spirit, that this voice will continue to resign in our heart, continue to give us understanding continue to give us a fresh revelation every day when we approach the scriptures we pray that we'll be empowered and will be strengthened to pursue your desire to follow after your heart from the beginning from um from now till the end so that we'll be counted among the faithful when you return in the mighty name of jesus we pray amen amen amen